The Psalms contain the whole range of human experience and today we think about some of Psalm 7 and to help us we have a very special guest. Hi, my name is Stuart. I get to be the minister here at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse and I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us in worship today. Wherever you find yourself, know that you are welcomed and loved by God. Today in our worship, we are joined by Reverend Francis Rosenau. Francis is Minister of Culver City Presbyterian Church in Los Angeles, and she and her family are here in Scotland visiting friends. Francis is also leading worship in church at St Ninian's this week while I'm, while I'm in her church in Culver City. As always, if you find our worship helpful, challenging or inspiring, or even all three, then I'd ask you to consider clicking like on Facebook or the thumbs up on YouTube and share with your friends. You could also tell them about it when you meet up with them. As always, stick with us till the end for some notices about the things that we're up to or pop over to saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk, but not yet. Hi, I'm Reverend Francis Rosenau. I'm the pastor at Culver City Presbyterian Church in the Los Angeles area. I'm pleased and honored to be in worship with you on this day as I visit some old friends and acquaintances from when my husband and I lived in Scotland over a decade ago. Like a good Presbyterian, today I am drawn to the Psalms as a passage for us to look at today. And so let's hear from Psalm 77. Psalm 77, verses 1 and 2. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord, and the night my hand is stretched out without wearying, my soul refuses to be comforted. And at verse 11, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord, I will remember your wonders of old, I will meditate on all your work, and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy, what God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. The arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. As I said, I'm drawn to this psalm today, Psalm 77. As a uh, a Presbyterian, we have a special relationship with the psalms, it feels like. And also, perhaps as a California Presbyterian visiting Scotland, I chose one that specifically involves a lot of rain. It may seem like in other ways, this passage doesn't connect with a relaxed summer church service. And while we may long for that quiet, stress-free day or that time when we can just relax and put our feet up, I think that we do so, we long for that precisely because that's not really what our experience has been. Walter Brueggemann, calls Psalm 77 a reorientation psalm, one that expresses pain and sorrow and is reoriented to God's providing care throughout the psalm, throughout the journey. The psalm contains a speech pilgrimage, according to Brueggemann. 
The psalm isn't just one note, one feeling, one stance. We're taken on a journey. We start someplace and we get someplace new as we read along. These first few verses of our reading are focused inward on the self. If we read the entirety of the psalm, we'd get more of these verses on this theme at the beginning. It says, I cry out loud to God so that God can hear me. My whole soul refuses to be comforted. There is pain in these words. In these first few verses, we hear agony, the voice of someone faithful calling out. There's no way for us to know what was going on in the life of the psalmist that called for these words, for this response, to what to attribute this misery. Was it a loss in war, illness, the death of a loved one, other trauma or hardship? We don't know. We can't know. There's also no way for us to know if the psalmist was maybe exaggerating their plight. If they were perhaps blowing things out of proportion, they felt that agony, but maybe what was going on in front of them wasn't as bad. Or if there was legitimate hardship at play. We've certainly seen significant hardship. I'm not just speaking of the global collective trauma of pandemic. It's more than just that. Sometimes the challenges in front of us seem insurmountable. A time when it seemed like there was only silence from God. Or maybe it's a feeling of less specific, less targeted, but more aimless, less formed confusion. A feeling of just emptiness ahead of us. That feeling or that experience when we feel adrift and as if we were going about our lives in meaninglessness. Or the experience of our voices not being heard or acknowledged. Of the powerful just wanting to keep power and keeping us disconnected in ways. Instead of being connected and empowered and uplifted. All of these things are real experiences that we have gone through. When things that are in front of us seem insurmountable, it makes sense to focus on ourselves, to look inward. When others are looking to silence us, to amplify our voices, to give ourselves the space to feel whatever feelings may come up. We need that space when too many other forces would tell us to suck it up and push it down. We can take that space to dwell in what is going on in the moment. And yet, that is not where the psalm ends. That's just the beginning. There is a turn in this psalm, a speech pilgrimage. There is a journey here from self to God. Because the following verses are all about things that God has done. From times long ago, God's redeeming work in the lives of real people, people with names, homes, faces, people whose stories we've heard and known. 
We don't have to hypothesize about what God does for people in trauma and hardship with all the odds stacked against them. We know the stories. We know how things end. We've seen it ourselves before. And we can recall it and call it up. In the psalm, the very ocean looks at God and quakes. In the ancient worldview, I can't think of much of anything that was bigger, more powerful, more chaotic, or more frightening than the ocean. Talk about something that seems insurmountable. And yet in the face of the ocean, something insurmountable, God can make a way. God's way went straight through the sea, making a clear way where there was no way. And of course, sometimes we need to be open with our own suffering. We need to turn inward, take a good look at ourselves, and especially not rush through the grieving process. But we don't stay there. The psalmist doesn't stay there. The psalmist connects God's work in the past with the promise of God's providing care in the future. When we ask, now what? God has a now what for us. God has a purpose for our inward journey, the result of our inward journey. That God has made a way through our hardships and has a future beyond what we're going through at the time. And we'll use the person, the peoples that we have become for that purpose that God has in store. Adam Fletcher, a writer originally from Thetford in Norfolk, living in Berlin, writes much about his travels. He has titles such as Don't Go There, From Chernobyl to North Korea, One Man's Quest to Lose Himself and Find Everyone Else in the World's Strangest Places. And a second title, Don't Come Back, A Travel Adventure of Bad-Tempered Baboons, Black Magic, and Breakups. He writes about some of the things that he has encountered. And he reflects on the kiwi bird, go with me, that he encountered after he moved to New Zealand. He points out that geographically speaking, New Zealand is in a very annoying place. And because of its isolated island location, there were no predators for thousands of years. Sounds idyllic, except that because of this situation of where New Zealand is and no predators, the animals became, to Fletcher, really fat and lazy. Especially the birds, he says. Some got lazy and they forgot how to fly. What's the point of birds that can't fly, he asks. No point. He calls kiwis spectacularly rubbish birds. And their only strengths are one, they're cute. Whereas their weaknesses are they can't fly, they can't fight, they have a weak heart. They're so weak that a loud sound can kill it of a heart attack. Kiwis are so rubbish, he says, that they must live in a special preserve free of predators. If a dog gets in, it can kill 40 kiwis in an hour. In an hour! When attacked, the kiwi bird plays dead, at which point the thing attacking it eats it. Similarly, Fletcher draws on the kakapo, cute, chubby, ground parrot, also a rubbish bird. Also has no defenses, 
also can't fly. Yet Kakapo still jump out of trees, even though they can't fly. It's not only that this bird has forgotten how to fly, it's forgotten that it's forgotten how to fly. Why make fun of these birds endlessly? Why make them the butt of all his jokes? Fletcher ties it to his experience in the world. That while our instincts may say to stay where it is safe, to be isolated, to draw inward, if we remove all the predators from our lives, or at least try to, we suffer. We become like the kiwi and the kakapo, scared, defenseless, and prone to having a heart attack when something unexpected happens in our environment. Coming out of one's comfort zone is one of the best chances to stop that process to Fletcher, to challenge ourselves and our prejudices, to remain open and engaged. Then we will never forget, says Fletcher, how to fly. This sermon is not a hardship builds character sermon, but rather that God has a more dynamic story in store for us than we can recognize when it's happening in the moment. That God has a future, not just a past of redemption that we can point to, that we can look to, that we can name, but also a future of redemption millennia of ancestors who had to survive in order for us to be here. Perhaps God never intended us to live isolated on an island, but out with others, even with the hardship, out where it hurts and it's beautiful. And yes, we can point to and see where God made a way. There was no way forward and God made a way. There was no road, just obstacle and life-threatening chaos, and God made a way right through the worst of it. Not just because it's a nice thing to do, but because God calls us to be a people who live redemption. God calls us to be a people who can fly. Thanks be to God. Amen.
God of the margins, Jesus, friend of outcasts and sinners, Spirit who bursts through all the barriers that we create. We cannot read the Gospels and pretend not to know how you feel about some of the most vulnerable of your children being excluded and demonised just because they're different to us and make the rest of us feel uncomfortable. As followers of Jesus, we of all people should know what it's like to live in the margins where Jesus spent so much of his time, but we don't seem to. We persist in creating divisions, not mending them. We speak of mission, but still expect other people to change and become like us. The church holds on to its last vestiges of power and social status, instead of celebrating the decline that's forcing us back to where you always wanted us to be. Gracious God, we cannot pray for those who are vulnerable without admitting that we are too. The sick, the lonely, the sad, that's many of us already. The homeless, the despairing, the refugee, that could so easily be us. And so as we pray for others, we also pray for ourselves. We pray for those who are physically ill and for those whose minds are in turmoil, unbeknown perhaps to the people around them. We give thanks for those who have been brave enough to speak out about their experience of mental illness and ask for healing not just for them, but for a world that shuns and devalues them. We pray for any who are demonised on account of what they believe or where they come from, the way they look, the way they speak or whom they love. We remember how fearless Jesus was in reaching out to people whom others despised and how he noticed the ones who others chose to ignore and gave them back their sense of self-worth. We remember what he said about the first being last and the last being first and how angry it made him when power was abused and vulnerable people exploited. We remember his last most fervent prayer that all his people should be one and with deep humility we pray for his prayer to be answered and for us to accept the changes that will need to be made if your kingdom is to come, your will to be done and your name glorified here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Go now. Go in peace. Go in wonder. Go in love. Go with ideas and questions. Go, and may God, who is light and truth, creator, source and spirit, go with you. Food Bank collects every Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm at the front doors of the church. All of your donations are gratefully accepted. Join us on Tuesday mornings for our coffee morning 
It meets from 10am until 11.30pm. The price is £2.50 and you are most welcome to join us. Our plan is to collect recipes to make a book to raise some funds. So recipes can be given to Agnes Barr or myself as soon as possible. You can email them to info at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk Anyone who can help with the Summer Club, please again speak to me or speak to me. We're planning a family fun day and as part of that we're going to have a lucky bag fundraiser. So please, please, please could you donate some toys, gifts for adults and gift bags of all sizes. If you can drop them off at the church by next Sunday, that would be amazing.